Hi, I'm Tanua Thrash Intuk, Executive Director of LA Lisk. Thank you for tuning in to the fourth episode of the Change Makers LA podcast. Change Makers LA is the inaugural podcast of LA Lisk. It is a tribute to the people and the policies that work to make LA neighborhoods great places to live, work, and play. For our fourth show, we're excited to have three leaders in the community development and transportation fields for a conversation about transportation equity and just growth in LA County. With us today, we have Ms. Jackie DuPont Walker, Executive Director of Ward Economic Development Corporation based in South LA and Metro Board member. We also have Isela Gracian, Executive Director of East LA Community Corporation. And last but not least, we have Jessica Meany, Executive Director of Investing in Place. Take a look at their websites to learn a little bit more about their organizations. Welcome and thank you all for being here in uh, downtown Los Angeles. We've got another beautiful day. So let's talk about transportation. Transportation is indispensable to all of us. We need it to access all of our basic needs, housing and jobs, healthcare, schools and food. And here at LISC, we believe that it is vital that low-income communities of color have access to multiple transportation options that are reliable and safe in order to have a good quality of life. At the same time, we know that those essential public investments, whether they be in transit and mobility, green space, or street improvements, can change the face of neighborhoods and are often fraught with challenges and inequities. With the passage of Measure M last year and the $10 billion of public funds that we start to see being invested in the county as early as next year, there have been a lot of conversations about transportation equity and just growth and what that looks like and what that means on the ground in our various communities. So let's start there and unpack these terms for our listeners and start talking about transportation equity and access. Isela, you're in the Boyle Heights, East Los Angeles area. Tell me, what does transit equity look like for ELAC and the communities that you work in? Well, thank you, Tanoa. Really happy to be here today. Um, for for us on, on the east side and engaging with residents, uh, this piece around equity of transit is really about being able to support what people, the existing infrastructure that people have been utilizing. So um, with the light rail coming through Bull Heights, one of the things that we experienced and we heard from community residents was that there was a change in their access points to bus. So for example, people that would use the bus to get over to White Memorial Hospital. Because of the light rail coming through, that bus sign got interrupted. Oh. Right. So equity in infrastructure is also really looking at what are the paths that people are already using, what are the modes that they're already using, and how do we enhance those experiences for, for residents that are core transit dependent, right? Whether it's on the bus or walking or bicycling, like being able to enhance for them and then from there have that benefit expand to other people. Absolutely. So this is a, an infrastructure that'll help the entire public, but people in your community, for example, who need to get to a hospital services or get to a job may have interruption and no one's really thinking about what impact that's going to have on their lives. Um, so Jessica, can you talk a little bit about about uh, the work you're doing at Investing in Place and what you've done to convene stakeholders and to push for the adoption of equity metrics as it relates to Metro's Measure M implementation plan? Sure, yeah, I think um, one of the things Investing in Place 
We're a new organization. We were created uh, in January 2015 because of the sole reason that we saw kind of a gap in the landscape of a group that was bringing together public agency staff who were responsible for implementing the projects to elected officials who were our key decision makers, to community-based organizations such as ELEC who are on the ground, have grassroots members and are feeling the impacts of these policy decisions, and our philanthropic community, rarely, and also our business development community. Uh, I didn't see these types of groups getting in the same room and also an investment being made to translate all these different documents and opportunities to language that everyone could understand. Mm -hmm. um, we are very enamored of the theory of just growth that um, Dr. Chris Benner and Dr. Manuel Pastor put forward about when the region shrinks the gap between the rich and the poor, all of our indicators across the region do better from education to mobility to housing. And one of the keys to success that they say regions, that they've studied regions who do this, is there is spaces where these cross-sector groups come together um, and try to find a common language. Uh, one of the things that I see as critical that we need here in Los Angeles County is to get a definition of what exactly do we mean by transportation equity. Mm -hmm. um, equity means different things to different players. For many people, sometimes that means equality, um, particularly in our transportation traditional world, equity means dividing the pie by population. Uh, we at Investing in Place believe it, it, it is very different than that. It's, it's defining the need and really where the um, last come first and the first come last. We've been working on research using um, indicators such as income, race, and households with low car ownership as a way to define equity. But also very inspired by what's happening at the state level with Cal Screen, where they actually uh, map out of the census tract high-need communities and prioritize the investment of public dollars based on that. We're interested in seeing that happen in Los Angeles County. Yeah, I want to talk some more about an impact that transportation equity as well, um, because I think that there's some uh, there are other elements certainly around the fact that this is billions of dollars of investment that represent wealth transfer of contracts and employment opportunities as well that some people are bringing into the trans transit equity lens. So. Uh, Jackie, Ms. DuPont-Walker, as a current Metro board member and longtime leader in the community development field, you know the role that our electeds and public institutions play and sometimes don't play in ensuring that low-income communities get their fair share. Can you talk a little bit more about what Metro and your leadership is doing to bake equity into their implementation plans? Well, thank you, Tanua, and thank you for the opportunity to be here today. You know, I'm long-time supporter of the mission of LISC, and I think this is an appropriate role for LISC to have at this time, uh, because uh, whether we uh, voluntarily assume this role or not, uh, LA Metro has become one of the key economic engines for this region. Uh, I think that uh, as we begin to look at um, uh, low-wealth communities, uh, it is important for us to not make the mistake we've made in years past of planning for them without engaging with them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great fear uh, because those of us who have the wealth of time often engage without the people who actually need the services and in the end it ends up being a reactionary exercise. But I'm more comforted by the fact that Metro has outstanding leadership. Uh, not only do we have the largest and most diverse board that we've had since Metro has been assembled, uh, we have a CEO, uh, one who uh, often reminds us uh, that he grew up in the projects of the south side of Chicago, and he has not forgotten from whence he's come. So we're not really talking uh, to, some, uh, to an institution that is headed by someone who is aloof uh, 
from the issues of those who have the greatest need. Uh, the board is diverse uh, in its leadership, uh, probably the most diverse, again, that we've had in a very long time. Uh, but through Phil Washington and the board, uh, we have uh, great leaders and those leaders who understand that the 1.2 million boardings that we have each weekday have a very diverse customer base and that we must be mindful of that. I'm one of those uh, appointed to be mindful of just this population. Mm -hmm. uh, Mayor Eric Garcetti said that in his campaigning, uh, he remembered those communities that had lots of promises made and not kept. And a part of my role is to help keep those promises and to keep a focus there on the Metro Board. So with Metro and the number of projects that we have in place and the gratitude we have to the, uh, the voters of LA County, uh, with the Measure M monies added to the Measure R monies. Uh, we understand how important it is for us to continue to create uh, the very important jobs and careers uh, that's in place. Uh, we understand how important the project labor agreement is, even though under the current administration in Washington, uh, it is um, very much under threat. Uh, we understand the youth and young adults, many of whom are coming out of the foster care system where we made a commitment to take care of them and did just the opposite and our very strong commitment to make sure they're among the disadvantaged workers who get high priority for the jobs and careers. Uh, we have uh, made a commitment to the environment. Uh, it sounds a long way off, 2030, but we've made a commitment to zero emission buses. Uh, and that's not only going to clear the environment, but it creates another series of jobs and careers. Uh, most importantly, we are in a window where the Metro's long-range planning transportation plan is going to come under very clear scrutiny and review. Uh, I am one of those voices, along with others, I have to say I am not alone, uh, that talks about answering key questions as we look at who are our customers, where do they live, what choices do they have to get around, how does transportation service uh, help them in their points of need? What programs do we need to help our system be efficient and benefit from what happened on the west, on the east coast, that our system is well maintained, yes. so that we don't have system breakdown? And so we're looking at all of those. With the new projects, um, there was a bottoms-up process uh, by which projects were identified to be funded under Measure M. Uh, and I wish I could say that our communities, low-wealth communities, actually responded as robustly as others. But it does, and with long-range plan, there's an opportunity to make up. And so with that study and with the Small Business Interruption Fund and some of the other things that we're doing, I think our communities have an opportunity to have their voices heard in a way we've never seen before. Excellent. I'm going to tell you, I'm sitting here quite encouraged. I'm thinking about what's happening on the ground in the community, and I know Isela and ELAC and other like community development organizations are on the ground. We've got Jessica uh, with investing in place with that outside game, making sure that she's pushing the institution. And then we've got some inside champions, having uh, Ms. DuPont Walker on the board as someone who understands these issues. She's detailed uh, the leadership there at Metro, but frankly, she's also got that experience and understand and is willing to be an advocate on behalf of the people. So let's talk a little bit about how can we seize this opportunity. Um, Isela, you know, what do you think are the opportunities for uh, community-based organizations and community development corporations to engage in the development of the long-range transportation plan? Jessica, you can hop in on this as well, but what can communities really be doing to prepare, prepare themselves for the dollars that are coming through for the opportunities? 
Yeah, I think I, I definitely um, agree with this greater opportunity around community engagement. Having um, engaged with Metro when it was hard to get them to pick up a, a phone call, to now being able to um, be a leader around engaging residents, um, particularly around the, the joint development work. So with the long range transportation plan, I think it's an opportunity for us to really be able to highlight and uplift um, our experiences that we've had up to this point with uh, transportation and also um, housing and how Metro has played a role in shaping the surrounding environment around transit. Because in order to be able to target and encourage the core ridership, we need to be able to maintain affordability around uh, transit hubs whether that's rail or bus. Um, so I really see this as an opportunity for us to be able to uh, engage the residents in, for, for example, for us, it's a development organization in our housing, um, for us that also engage uh, residents at large, for being able to connect with information and bring people to these different convenings for them to share their experience and be able to impact um, the future of, of uh, Metro's planning. Absolutely. Jessica, did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I would say one brand new thing that uh, Measure M has created that we've never seen before in Los Angeles County is what's called the multi-sub-regional programs. Uh, it's $10 billion worth of our tax dollars in the next 50 years that are going to our councils of governments. Most people understandably, justifiably, have never heard of what a council of government is, but those are discretionary grant programs that will fund some of our greatest quality of life. We've heard Jackie talk about accessibility, how can people get to where they want to go given the transportation options. <clears throat> this particular program has I think a unique role of where local cities come together to invest in first and last mile, in safe routes to school, into some goods movement program. That role of a new day on the way councils of governments and local cities work with community groups such as ELAC or in the southeast on what to prioritize and where to put these investments because right now they're not programmed. They're just a grant <clears throat> program that they're kind of like a holding line for these ideas. Um, I'd really like to see some improved engagement with community groups. One place that really shines already with the way the dynamics between the collection of cities in the San Gabriel Valley um, at that co Council of Governments is in San Gabriel Valley with the, the local community groups there. I think opportunities with particularly some of the measure and money that isn't programmed and still needs to be decided um, are opportunities to work better with a, a new day on mm -hmm. community engagement. You know, I, I really want to jump in because I want us to fully understand that the COGS uh, operate on the periphery, but the city of LA, mm -hmm. the voice is the Department of Transportation. Salita probably won't be happy with me, mm -hmm. but I think if we want to be a part of the planning process, we have to really understand that the voice that speaks for the city of LA in this process is our transportation department, and they depend upon our elected officials, so we have to find a way to jump in. I would like to encourage CBOs uh, to, uh, to really get serious about community engagement and civic engagement. Um, all too often with Metro, we get the reaction at the end of three, four, five years and it's very difficult to turn the ship around at that point. Um, it is so easy to, uh, for CBOs to have uh, uh, those persons who can pay attention to what's happening in the board meetings to show up or at least tune in, it's live stream, uh, to be actively engaged so that as things are being planned, we are in that window. There's also a series of community advisory councils and each board member has the opportunity to appoint 
uh, we could make sure we're there so we're part of the ongoing development of policy process. Uh, I'm pleased to say I was able to appoint my four and they're in place. There's a millennial, there's someone from South LA who is a rapid transit rider, someone who represents the ADA community, um, who has been there for a while and was about to, his wealth of knowledge was about to be lost. So I think it's important for us to really urge that, but more than anything else, when we have uh, public hearings around the transportation plan, we need to be present. With that, along those lines, and what Jessica just shared too, around other opportunities is that within the city of LA, we have the benefit of having more infrastructure around community-based organizations. But as we're talking about um, transportation equity and regionally, there's a lot of um, cities and, and areas that don't have that infrastructure. And I think there's an opportunity there for us to be able to to share our knowledge, to encourage and, and be able to um, have Metro also be a, a leader in these spaces where um, we, we may need to look at other, inf other societal infrastructures, maybe it's little leagues that, that are set up and being able to use those spaces to engage people. Maybe it's through the schools, maybe there, there's other um, already organizations that are in place in other cities that may not have the the strength or experience of organizations uh, like investing in place like Eli, like other organizations that um, engage residents on the regular to be able to connect because I think that's um, where we need to make sure that we're also sharing our learnings around this piece of displacement or potential displacement as um, our transit system expands further out into the region. You know, as city rep, let me remind us that uh, Mayor Garcetti um, has, unlike uh, his predecessors, spent an inordinate amount of time trying to bring the ADA mayors together. There is still a very strong uh, feeling that the city of LA is the elephant in the room, uh, taking all of the air out. And so I think as we talk about the other cities, the greatest uh, issue that we face is um, the rejection, the nimbyism is still there and the city of LA is the last voice they want to hear. So we have to then encourage the members of LA Metro Board who represent those areas to understand more fully that they is us and they're already here. Uh, because the, the issues we care about, there's a feeling that it's not a problem in those communities and therefore there's not a welcome voice from the city. So I, I am very, very excited about the equity matrix that came from the Department of Water and Power and we're using that as one of our uh, guides in moving forward with our transportation equity plan. Jessica, did you want to have a final thought here? Yeah, I just, I'm always, I think what um, Jackie said is really right on, and I'm curious about that equity matrix, but also what it says is to be mindful of the parts of Los Angeles County that don't have CBOs. Mm -hmm. Regrettably, we live in a county where a lot of our philanthropic dollars are going out of this region, um, and transportation, the built environment, mobility issues isn't a most robustly funded our advocacy if you compare to other cities um, isn't as sophisticated in my perspective but also this idea of trapping into other groups besides mobility partners I mean I go to meetings where it's the same five voices a lot and how are we you know and, and what really moves me often is when I hear parents or um, you know particularly moms women had a household they make four to six trips a day um, their needs are typically not um, prioritized but also flip the script a little bit back on Metro um, Real Talk is there, I think, an $8.5 billion annual budget. Um, improving public participation is something that 
I know they're open to, but I, I think we can do better. And also, I'd be really excited to see some of our board members try to survive on a bus for a week. Um, I, I think, you know, like this idea, we tell ourselves a lot of our transportation for me sometimes feels rooted in what people feel in their gut or anecdotes, but the data is radically different. And the more we can actually look at the real data and be honest, um, Riding the bus is not a fun experience in Los Angeles County, and those who are riding the bus are doing it because they have no other choice. Um, talked to, for me, at least, in my perspective, when you talk to a lot of people, families who make incredible financial sacrifices to get that first car um, due to childcare issues, due to jobs that they can't afford to be a couple minutes late if the bus uh, skips a beat. Uh, I love the bus, but without dedicated bus lanes, without frequent and reliable buses, I think we're kind of turning a blind eye to the quality of transit. Most people, at least the rooms I'm in, when they say transit, they're really talking about rail. And um, I think buses could be tremendous. I'm really stoked that Metro's revisiting the entire bus network. Um, more frequent and reliable is the way I want to see it go. But I think these ideas, public participation matters, but I'd also challenge our, our, our Metro leaders and our executive staff to, I sometimes feel like they're not riding the bus. Because if they were, we wouldn't be glamorizing <laughs> it as much as um, you sometimes do. I think you're probably not on that because uh, our whole executive team uh, comes in not by bus, by train. Uh, but I will say, not in defense of them, uh, that this is probably the first board where 50% are riders of public transportation. Yeah. And there are others of us who are silent shoppers. And I can't tell you what I do because then my silent shopping is over. Uh, but there, there is and was established this year a, um, a committee just to deal with ridership issues. Yeah. And that committee headed by uh, Mr. Bodden, who is a public transportation uh, regular patron, uh, has on it persons appointed who come from the community uh, who have been challenging us about ridership. We are keenly aware. 70% of our ridership is on the bus. Wow. Uh, and so that's, I think that's a script for a prior board. Absolutely. So I want to remind our audience that we're talking with Isela Gracion of ELAC, Jessica Meany of Investing in Place, as well as Metro board member Jackie DuPont-Walker. I mean, today's conversation has, I mean, the last challenge that we got is that we're asking the Metro board to ride uh, the bus more. The good news is that Metro board member here, Jackie, says that she is uh, a, a silent shopper of our entire system. Trans transit equity has been a term that we've thrown around today, and it's meant a whole lot of things to a whole lot of different people. Um, and it's exciting to know that we've got champions inside and outside of the agency to make that happen. Transit equity has meant ensuring that we've got housing around our transit hubs so that people who need to have access to that can. Transit equity is about making sure that we have uh, jobs where there is opportunity. to. We want to make sure that small businesses continue to thrive around our transit hubs. And we also, to the extent that we ensure that there is um, an environmental infrastructure that uh, is clean and excited to hear that Metro is moving towards that because for so many of our neighborhoods where this transit passes through, um, we want to make sure that it doesn't continue to contribute to additional uh, health matters. So with that, I'd like to close out today's conversation. Uh, we'd ask you to join us again next time on the next uh, LISC podcast. Thank you all for being here as our guests. And for our listeners, you can join us specifically at our Twitter handle at LA underscore LISC, hashtag ChangemakersLA. Stay tuned to the next episode where we'll be discussing creative efforts to support entrepreneurship and local economic development in LA neighborhoods. 
Thank you for listening to the Changemakers LA podcast. This podcast is made possible by a generous grant from the Bank of America Charitable Foundation to spur economic gains for low-income families and communities. If you would like to support LA List or learn more about our work, please visit us online at www.list.org/losangeles or follow us on Twitter at LA underscore list. Our host for today is LA List Executive Director Tanua Thrash and Took. Production support was provided by Miranda Rodriguez and the Donias. You can find the rest of the series on SoundCloud. Subscribe to LA List page to hear more conversations about the people and places that shape Los Angeles.